This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. And as you know, we uh, had scheduled uh, the chair of the Election Commission of, of Hines County, but she got called away because today's a special election and there was kind of some emergency she had to deal with. But I hope everyone in Hines County will vote in that special election if you've not done that already. And, and we can talk a little bit about making sure people are registered to vote and, and answer questions that they have. And if we can't answer them, we'll try to get you in the right direction. That's right. It's uh, live radio, folks, and today uh, happens to be September 22nd, 2020, and there is a special election today to fill. I think there's um, maybe uh, four seats that are up. Different people have... um, have had to uh, pull out for various reasons for health or uh, such. So we do want to remind you, if you are in a special election in your county, please do go out and vote. Uh, it's important. That's how that's how your rights are determined, isn't, isn't that right, Professor Gershon? It absolutely is. And then, of, of course, in, in uh, November, you know, there's an election. And I think everybody knows there's a presidential election, but there's some important other issues. There's, uh, you know, a statewide uh, U.S. Senate election. Uh, there's a, a vote on the new flag, uh, yes or no, that has been proposed. Uh, we will have uh, some guests on in, in a very near future talking about Initiative uh, 65, which deals with the legalization of medical marijuana. And so we'll have a good, uh, lively discussion about that. So there are other important measures. It's not just about, uh, you know, the, the presidential race, which is also very important, but, you know, congressional races, uh, local races, uh, and, you know, including the election commission uh, in several, in several uh, jurisdictions. So make sure you vote. That's right. Uh, we want to do remind all of our listeners that to register to vote November 3rd, In the general election, you must be registered to vote by October 5th. Now, I've got kids, and they move around a lot, so if you need to change your address, you need to do that before October 5th. And if you have had any change to your voting status, you have until October 5th. To get that done, some things you can do online. So if you check out the Secretary of State's website, you know, lots of things you can do by Googling. Um, go to the Secretary of State's website. Go to the Y'all Vote. There's tons of information. You can type in your name and where you've lived previously. That'll give you information to see if you're registered to vote Uh, to make sure that you have the right address because you need to know what your polling place is. Get all that information in by October 5th, 
so that you can be registered to vote in the general election on November 3rd. And I think folks can start getting their absentee ballots now. That's right. And uh, a lot of the absentee ballots, um, you know, you can uh, if you're if you go to the courthouse in, in, in your jurisdiction, you can usually fill them out right there and, and put your vote in right there. You don't even have to, to send them in by mail. I did that. I was going to be on the road last year when there was an election. So there, there are ways to vote absentee that uh, are really easy. And uh, we haven't gotten to a point in Mississippi yet where we're allowing people to decide that they want to do absentee for uh, health concerns. Uh, some states have done that. But, uh, you know, uh, I, hope we, I hope we get to that point. I think it would be a good thing to do. But we're not there yet. But, there, you know, if you, if you can vote absentee, uh, you, you should start doing that. Today? We're just kind of chatting, folks. What would you like to chat about? There's information from the state auditor. There's information about the census. We've got uh, ballots that uh, we can talk about what's on the state of Mississippi and the general election ballot. We talked about this is an election day, and it's September 22nd of 2020. Oh, Professor Gershon, we got in trouble the other week because of the hurricane. We put on a repeat about expulsions and there was it was before last year's election and our guest talked about the election on November 5th which that was 2019 so we confused a number of people we want to make it sure everyone knows this episode is in 2020 and in 2020 the general election is November 3rd and in 2020 the special election is September 22nd so here we go folks if you live in Senate District 39, which represents Kapaya, Lawrence, Lincoln, and Walthall counties, there is a nonpartisan election today. So go see about that. If you live in Senate District 2015, which represents Choctaw, Montgomery, Ictipaha, and Webster County, you have a nonpartisan election. Get to the polls. If you live in House District 37, which represents Clay, Lowndes, and Ictipaha counties, get to the polls today, September 22nd. If you live in House District 66, which represents Hines County, you have a chance to vote for your state uh, representative, and you need to get to the polls. There is a vacant House seat for House District 87, that election will take place in November during the general election. If you are not sure about your polling location, if you are not sure, uh, you can always contact your local circuit clerk for more information. The polls are open from 7 to 7 today for the September 22nd special election and we have a call let's go to jackson and talk to evelyn evelyn thank you so much for calling in on our what do you want to talk about day go ahead 
two things. The House 66 in Hines County is not all of Hines County, so people, before they go to the poll, may want to check to see if their precinct is in that House district. Thank you so much for the reminder about that. Second thing, um, I want to talk a little bit about the recent Mississippi Supreme Court decision that affects who may uh, vote absentee due to health reasons. All right. And, uh, well, my, my major confusion is that I understand you're supposed to be under doctor's orders to be quarantined. And an absentee ballot requires a notary public, which means you have to sign the ballot in front of the notary. And so how does a person who is quarantined under doctor's orders get a ballot that is notarized? Professor Gershon, Professor Gershon, I know my husband with his business, it's a not-for-profit, and they filled out a grant application that had to be notarized. Uh, are you familiar with how they're... Uh, he did this, I didn't do this, so mine is secondhand information. Are you familiar with how notaries are working right now because there's an electronic notary option for some pieces of information? That's right. And it's, you know, I think COVID has pushed that certainly forward. Uh, the state of Florida, actually, even before COVID had uh, adopted an electronic notary statute. And now all notaries in that state are required to uh, check a box that says whether they did it in person or uh, virtually. Um, you can do virtual uh, notarization with as long as you can provide you know, the, the right ID. Um, and in fact, um, when my wife and I closed on our house right after uh, things shut down for COVID, we did everything. Uh, the, the notary just had our, our IDs. We were not in the room with the notary, and we were able to get documents notarized that way. So you might be able to do that, and I think that would be worth, worth checking. I would hope they would do that for uh, absentee ballots. But as you mentioned, the Supreme Court basically said that having a pre-existing condition that might uh, subject someone to a higher risk of COVID is not enough to qualify for uh, and this is the Mississippi Supreme Court not enough to qualify someone for um, uh, an absentee ballot uh, and in many, many states have, have you know, made that if you have a pre-existing condition you can get an absentee ballot so uh, you know I think right now we're, we're at a point where uh, you know if you unless you have COVID itself uh, it's it's going to be hard to get an absentee ballot just because of a pre-existing pre-existing condition Go ahead. I'm sorry. One of the other things that I think it's important for people to know is, by the way, when you if like my father and my husband are both over 65, so they may vote absentee. And when you go to the circuit clerk's office, that process is generally very easy. You either either one of the employees there is a notary or they handle it in some way. So that's not a problem if you're going (coughs) to the circuit clerk's office. But I mean, I'm a I'm a diabetic, so I'm, I still have to go vote regularly. But so if a person has COVID, you're supposed to isolate for ten days, 
isolating is different from quarantining. Quarantine, you quarantine for 14 days if you have reason to suspect that you've got COVID, if you uh, have gotten tested and you're waiting for test results, uh, if you've been in contact with a positive, something like that. But if you know you have it, that's 10 days. Now, as I understand the process to get an absentee ballot, you have to, unless you go into the circuit clerk's office, which obviously you should not do if you are positive for COVID, uh, it requires a phone call and you call and ask for the form to request the absentee ballot that's mailed to you. And then you have to fill that out, mail it in, and then they mail the ballot the actual ballot to you and that process could take more than the 10 days for which you were quarantined i mean for which you are isolated i I think that's a very good point i really do and and it's obviously not a perfect process i know uh my daughter is in college in california she votes absentee uh in mississippi and she you know has to she's had to go through that process and really one of her concerns was getting a notary seal because uh She's trying to avoid contact as well. So this is we're all working through a new new environment right now, and, and this is uh, you know unprecedented at least during our lifetimes. But um, you know, is I, it possible? I, is it possible for somebody to go to this? Let's say person A is COVID positive. Can person B who is not COVID positive, you know, a friend who lives five doors down or whatever, go to the uh, circuit clerk and get the ballot so that you don't have to use the uh, postal service to cut down the amount of time that's a great question i would ask you know the circuit what i found in the circuit courts is the clerks are great and and will answer your questions again because this is all new for everyone i I would call the circuit court and just say you know can can i do that for pick that pick that up for a friend and they'll let you know what what the answer is because you know I, i think uh you know, for a lot of the law, the law, you know, there have been things like property law that's been around for hundreds of years, and it's pretty easy to know and predict what's going to happen. But in, in, a, in a voting situation, a major election like this during a pandemic, it's really hard to know what the rules are. And I think I, think I would go right to the source and just ask the circuit court. Evelyn, we appreciate you calling in. I don't want to get folks confused by giving out too many phone numbers, but I'm going to give out a lot of phone numbers on this show. So for more information, you can call the Secretary of State's election hotline. So folks, get your pens and papers out for this show. The Secretary of State's election hotline is one 800 Two eight two nine six seven eight six. Okay, one more time. The Secretary of State of Mississippi's election hotline phone number on their website is one eight hundred eight two nine six seven eight six. That way, you can if ask questions of them. Um, we've had people talking about voting on the show before. We absolutely do not want anyone to do anything illegal. Um, you can vote absentee if you are um, over 65. You can also vote absentee if you're going to be away from your polling place on Election Day. I don't know how you prove that 
you know, a month ahead of time you intend to be away, but there you go. We're going to continue our discussion of whatever you want to talk about today. I'm definitely going to give out the census number in a little while. We're talking about absentee voting, what's on the ballot. Uh, how many election commissioners are there in Mississippi? Wow, I found out what a lot of power the election commissioners have. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I dug up next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, and we are taking all comers today. We want to hear what you want to say. We want to hear what you want to talk about. When I was researching about election commissioners, wow, what a huge job they have, and no longer do I want to not pay attention to them on the ballot. There are 410 election commissioners. There's one for every county supervisor district, and they're independently elected officials. They are nonpartisan, and they're responsible for conducting the general and the special elections. Uh, goodness, Professor Gershon, they really have a a, a big uh, responsibility. They do. You know, they have to hire the the poll workers and train the poll workers and and make sure you know because uh, we got to make sure that they're trained. They got to make sure that people comply with the the election requirements. Uh, and and you know, there's just a lot that they have to do. It's a lot of work. Which, again, is why our scheduled guest today is we got called away to do her actual job uh, as chair of the uh, Hines County Election Commission. That's right. And today is a special election. So if it's in your county, if it's in your House or Senate district, do your civic duty and vote. But also make sure you know who you're voting for. Uh, uh, you know, what? what's your personal opinion, uh, Professor Gershon? I mean, if you don't know any of the people should you not vote at all if you've heard of someone you might have a name might ring a bell just because they're infamous not necessarily uh what you want what what do you do uh, if you get to an election and you're not sure of a uh a, one of the the initiatives one of the ballots do you not vote at all or what do you do I don't do that, and I don't do that because, I, you know, there's so many ways to be educated about who the people are who are running. Uh, you know, it, when I, the first time I voted in, uh, 
in uh, when I was 18, a long time ago. You know, you, you, things we got a, a rock, you know, a carved rock with information on it. You know, like the Ten Commandments. It was that long ago, but now information is so readily available to everyone. Uh, there's really no excuse not to know. I mean, there are a lot of good uh, organizations, uh, nonpartisan organizations that print information about each candidate, about each issue. Uh, you can look up, for example, Initiative 65 and 65A. You can listen to our podcast uh, after we uh, we have our guest on uh, on that sh- on that issue dealing with medical marijuana. Uh, you know, the flag uh, issue is is been clearly talked about. So, we need an educated populist voting and there is no excuse not to take the time to exercise your civic duty and and learn about these candidates and learn about these issues because you know our our democracy depends on that all right we have a call and i'm hoping this is the jim from madison i'm thinking it's the jim from madison if it is uh we may just be able to keep him on for the rest of the show jim thanks for calling into in legal terms my pleasure. I was delighted to hear that it was an open topic today because I have a question for Dean Gershon. I'd like to hear his thoughts on the chances of the um, Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup Finals. Oh, that's a great question. Go Bolts. I, I, I lived in Tampa Bay for lots of years, and I was there when the Lightning started, and they played uh, their first season in the Tampa Fairgrounds, which was really not set up for hockey. And, and in fact, their first game had to be, uh, it was a preseason game, had to be suspended after two periods because the ice was melting and they couldn't <laughs> keep it cold. So they kept, they've come a long way. Um, they, they played in what is now the uh, baseball stadium that the Rays play in, and you could get a $99 season ticket to go see them, and I, I did that. So I, that, I am quite a fan of the Lightning, um, and uh, you know, which has been much more productive than being a Falcons fan, which I also am. Uh, <laughs> historic meltdown but I, I really do appreciate that question because that's one i can answer well I, I thought it was very interesting that the, the stanley cup finals or in ice hockey are being played between teams from dallas and tampa bay not exactly historically uh, associated with ice hockey no no not at all but uh i actually was an atlanta flames fan uh atlanta they're up the flames moved to calgary broke my heart uh, i grew up in atlanta and we all learned how to skate and play hockey when the flames were there so i actually was a goalie and uh my nickname was swiss cheese though so i was not real good <laughs> that's interesting i knew you would have some some positive thoughts for the lightning anyway go bolts right uh, yes all right thank you so much for asking that jim well sure. jim talk to us about something else what's on your mind with uh special elections the election ballot uh what uh what do you want to discuss and talk about on in legal terms i do have a legal question um it, it occurred to me that um i'm, I'm 74 years old and, and my voting precinct is a relatively small building maybe 20 by 25 feet um and I know I have to show my um, my picture ID in order to, to get a ballot, but I'm going to wear my mask, and I'm not going to take it off. And I don't find anything. I looked at the election code, and I didn't see anything that says you can't wear a mask when you go to vote. So um, I, I just found it somewhat ironic that I had to show a photo ID, but I didn't have to display my face. Right. And I think I think, uh, you know, it, this is, again, an unprecedented time. You know, I, and I'm glad you're going to wear your mask. It's it, you know, there's all, all the science 
proves that wearing a mask not only protects you, but more also protects other people. And, and so, uh, you know, we should all do that. And uh, so I'm glad you're going to wear your mask. Keep it on, and they should, they should see your ID, and that should be fine. I wish you didn't have to vote in person, though. Well, you know, I'm, I don't have to vote in person because I'm, you know, 74 years old. I can vote absentee just merely because of my age. But my voting precinct is directly across the street from my house. So it, and I'd have to drive to, to Canton, which is, you know, 30 miles round trip to, to get an absentee ballot. I just thought it would be I'll be in and out quickly and have my mask on and I should be OK. Well, but I, I agree with you that that it's ridiculous that um, in in the midst of the worst pandemic in 100 years, people can't vote absentee just because they're, I mean, simply on the basis that they're afraid that they're going to uh, be infected with the virus. That's crazy. Jim, I'm going to read a little bit from the Secretary of State's website. You know, you're talking about the photo ID. Um, I guess they must keep absentee ballots at the polling places because it says if you do not present an acceptable form of photo ID or unable to do so because of a religious objection, you are entitled to cast an affidavit ballot. A voter casting an affidavit ballot because he or she did not present an acceptable form of photo ID based on a religious objection may not have his or her ballot rejected for this reason if he or she completes an affidavit of religious objection in the circuit or municipal clerk's office within five business days after Election Day, a voter casting an affidavit ballot because he or she did not present an acceptable form of photo ID may not have his or her ballot rejected for this reason if he or she presents an acceptable form of photo ID in the circuit or municipal clerk's office within five business days after Election Day. So, folks, if you get to the polls and you realize you left without your photo ID because your polling place was across the street from your house and you forgot your wallet, um, if you do take a photo ID um, you can, back to the circuit clerks within five business days, then you can um, uh, have your ballot accepted. Hey, we're talking about just about anything today. What's your comment or question? Uh, we do have some little factoids about election commissioners. I'll tell you what some of their duties are next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org.
You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, we really do hope that you subscribe to our podcast. There are many different podcasting platforms. And remember, folks, podcasts are just listening to recordings of audio that may have been on the radio or may have been formulated just for a podcast, or some of them may be too explicit to have on the radio if they were dealing with uh, topics that maybe are sensitive and they didn't want to be broadcast over the air. There's all, there's thousands and probably millions of different podcasts out there. And there's lots of different podcasting platforms. I happen to use Podcast Addict. My husband is a Stitcher person, but you download it to your phone if you have an Android. If you have an Apple phone or or maybe one of these brand new Apple phones, then um, you've already got your podcasting platform. But for for Android phones, you go to the Google Play Store, pick out a podcasting platform, or if you're uh, if you're Amazon Fire or Kindle or whatever it is, go to the podcasting, go to the store, download the app, then you can touch plus, and it'll help you to look, search for a podcast. You can either browse or search for one by name. And type in in legal terms in the search area. That'll bring up our podcast. Then you can subscribe if you want to be notified when any new episodes are loaded up, or you'll just be able to see all of the podcasts that we've had. We are talking just about anything you want to talk about today with Professor Richard Gershon. Uh, We do want to remind everyone that there is a special election today, September 22nd, 2020. But there's also a general election on November 3rd, 2020. Um, I had done some research on election commissioners and were absolutely fascinated. The election commissioners prepare and print the ballots for their uh, constituents. They hire and train the poll workers. They secure all the supplies and prepare the voting machines for the elections. They certify the election results and provide election data to the public. They are also the ones that purge the voter rolls in compliance with the National Voting Rights Act. Professor Gershon, what what do you think about, with all these absentee ballots, do you think the American public is prepared or they need to be reminded that on the night of November 3rd, we may not have a Senate representative or a presidential uh, winner? No, that's all right. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's we, we've come to expect that we have our news immediately. But, you know, the, the truth is that didn't always happen that way in other elections. And, you know, we, we see everything in real time now. But I think we just have to be patient. You know, uh, remember Bush versus Gore actually took a long time as well to try to get get all that sorted out. Um, and so the, the most important thing is we get we get it right. Uh, and I think that it's a fair, the most important thing, it's a fair election and that we get it right. We don't have to know the answer that night. We want to invite Kay to the phone, to our show from Madison. Kay, thanks for holding and thanks for calling in. What do you want to talk about on In Legal Terms today? 
Hi, uh, I'm driving, so hopefully my phone won't go out. But one of the things that I've noticed um, amongst millennial, millennials, and I actually am a millennial on the higher age, is we've had a number of like students or um, interns in our building who are well-educated, sometimes with master's degrees, and they're not even registered to vote. Like, voting is not even something they even conceptualize as a necessity. Um, I mean, I forced one of them like, to go register to vote one time, like as an assignment, like this is your assignment to go register to vote. And have any of you or listeners noticed that I've calling them kids, young adults, maybe like 24 to 28, just either don't vote or just aren't interested in it. Oh, man, say, Kay, you're, you're breaking my heart. Um, I know at the public high school that my children attended, they've all graduated from high school, but, you know, they had, there were representatives who would come in and encourage the kids to register to vote. We, I don't know that we're a particularly, um, uh, uh, vocal about a, uh, <laughs> we're, we're a vocal about our opinions in my family and I know that with the selective service for my son when he turned 18 we made sure that our kids registered to vote uh, Professor Gershon you work with a lot of young people what what uh, what do you have to say about the the 18 to 32 year olds registering or not registering to vote well i'll tell you what they are i i the students i have are all involved and and very much interested in in the world and you know and, I, and i'm and it gives me great hope uh, and they're all uh 21 to you know we have some that are older but basically 21 to 25 is our typical demographic you know i, the, I think the sad thing i think it just hits on just our country in general i'm looking at um, the the uh the presidential uh vote uh you know, turnout, and that's you know, those are the bigger turnouts for presidential elections. You know, it, it really, when you think about how few people in this country actually elect our elected officials, because uh, you know, such a small, relative, relatively small percentage of voters vote. You know, and if you've got sixty uh, percent of the people in the country voting, and that's a, that would be a good turnout. Uh, that means that you know that forty percent of the voices are not being heard. There's some uh, some countries require people to vote. Uh, they make it easier to vote than we do. I think we make it hard by having it, you know, on one day and people have to work on that day. And But, you know, other countries actually, I think, by requiring people to vote and with a fine if you don't vote, um, you know, I, I think that would make a difference. It is a civic duty. It's important. And, you know, people who don't show up and vote are, are basically uh, letting everybody else decide, uh, you know, who will, who will uh, make decisions in our government. And they're also, uh, you know, missing out on important issues like Initiative 65, uh, medical marijuana and, and the flag. So, uh, you know, it's I, I, I think it's something that we really need to encourage. I would love to see us make it mandatory. Kay, I'm so glad that you have brought this to our attention, that you brought that up. And I'm going to go ahead and challenge all the mamas and daddies who are listening, all the aunts and uncles who are listening, all the grandparents who are listening, all the teachers who are listening, all the neighbors who are listening, uh, remind folks that when they turn 18, it's a duty, it's a privilege, it's an honor, it's exciting to be able to 
have a voice to take control of our country. You get to steer it in the direction you want it to go with your vote. And, you know, we've found in past elections one vote can make a difference. You know, Professor Gershon, I can't um, remember exactly, but I'm sure there—I think there was, you know, some elections where— it was the 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 balance of the election was hung on a on a swing state and in that swing state there was a swing district and in that swing district there was just a couple of votes that swayed the election uh so Kay, thank you and i'm going to i'm going to urge mama's daddy's grandma's aunts Make sure the people in your life are registered to vote. Today is. And don't assume. That's definitely. I right. assume. Ask them directly. Are you registered and do you know where to go? You've got a little less than two weeks, a week and a half to register to vote. Today is September 22nd. We have until October 5th, which is a Monday. So not Monday the 28th, but Monday the 5th. Make sure that you are registered to vote. You know, whatever your preference is, this is this is your way. If you want to keep things going the way it is, then you need to go ahead and vote. If you think the country needs to change in a different direction, you need to vote. If you like that flag with the little magnolia on it, you need to vote. If uh, if you don't like that flag and you think we need to decide, uh, have a whole different flag, you need to vote. It's it's that simple. You know, Liz, I, I look, I'm looking at the uh, statistics, the voter turnout statistics from 2016, uh, you know, that presidential election, 55.5% of voters uh, actually voted. Uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, so you're talking just a little over half of the, uh, the people who could have voted voted in that election. Uh, and, you know, we, we pride ourselves on, I realize this is a republic as opposed to a democracy, really, because it is, you know, we vote for representatives who make decisions for us. But, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being a, a, a democratic republic, and, and, but we don't, but people aren't voting, and I totally, I totally agree with you. Hey, what's a very, very easy thing you can do to help your county's election commissioners? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Podcasts can be found on our website or on your smart device's podcasting platform.
Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our webpage, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. The county election commissioners keep the voter rolls updated, so... If you have a family member who has passed away, you can fill out a death notification form to get them off the voter rolls. This needs to be done 30 days before an election. But also, if your if your address has changed, please fill out the existing voter change form. And I think you can also do that on the Secretary of State's website. Man, the Secretary of State's website has tons and tons of information, and I hope you'll check that out. I want to make sure we give out one phone number uh, before we end the show. It's the census. Uh, Professor Gershon, do you remember, are they stopping the census at the end of this month, or had that federal judge made them continue it? My understanding is the federal judge has uh, said that they, they, must, they must continue it. Um, but that's still, you know, that's still ongoing. But you, you still have a chance, and I think the sooner you do it to fill out the census, the better. And just like you can't be sure if someone is registered to vote, you don't know if they have been counted with the census. This is very important. So uh, here we go again. Grandpa, uncle, you need to ask uh, all the people in your family at the barbershop, ask the checker at Kroger, (laughs) or or ask them if they're registered to vote. Also ask them if they have been counted by the census. If they haven't, here's a phone number. Write this phone number down. Here's the phone number you can call the census so they don't have to send out a, a census worker to your house. It's 844-330-2020. So if you need to get counted by the census, the number is 844-330-2020. All right, let's go to Camille, who has called in from Biloxi. Camille, thanks so much for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What do you want to talk about? Hi. Uh, can you hear me all right? Oh, we hear you just fine. Okay, great. Well, um, I was very excited to uh, participate as a a volunteer or even be a poll worker at the elections uh, this year. And then I was told that there's a no mask, uh, I mean, no, yeah, no mask, there is not a no mask, no vote policy, which means that people can come in and without a mask and they can be offered a mask, but they can, uh, you know, decide not to wear one which means that anybody can come in and just, like, expose the whole gamut of people who are there. And so uh, with uh, the pandemic, you know, worldwide, and, you know, masks are required in schools and casinos, public buildings, then why not at election facilities? You know, I feel like it's already been scientifically and medically verified, you know, that wearing face masks can reduce the, the spread of coronavirus, thereby, you know, getting us closer to a, a pre-corona normalcy. So um, I don't understand why our leaders wouldn't mandate um, the mask wearing at this public event, at this, you know, public event that we're requiring or we're, you're, we're asking people to vote. And we already have this, you know, complacency 
of people not voting, you know, the doctor mentioned 55% of, you know, of eligible voters only voted. That, you know, that's, that's just really too bad. And so uh, maybe we should have a mandate not only to vote, but, but definitely in this era of pandemic to have a mandate that you need to wear a mask in the voting polls. It's a great. It's a great point. I totally agree with you. You know, the, the I, I know the explanation in Texas, uh, where uh, they were not requiring masks to vote, uh, from the governor was that uh, well, that would be imposing another requirement on on voters that was not already uh, required. And so, you know, if somebody met the re requirements to vote, then we have to let them vote. But I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a stretch, honestly, because I do think in, in a pandemic. Uh, requiring masks, I totally agree with you, and it would just be the, the right thing to do. It's, it's helping other people. So, Camille, thank you so much for bringing that up. Our last call, we've got Marianne calling in from Jackson. Marianne, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? I'd like to know, is there a legal justification, perhaps, for challenging the Mississippi legislature on its requirement that the Mississippi flag have a religious message? Oh, oh Professor a, Gerson, this one's you. This one's well. You know, I think it's a, it's a it's a great question. Somebody probably will challenge it. Um, you know, I I, I I can give my personal opinion, which is I'm I'm very happy that we have moved on away from a flag that. Uh, you know, I think offended so many Mississippians to, to a flag that may be more uniting. Uh, and as a political expediency, I think I think the, the motto uh, made it easier for, for people to accept the change. Um, you know, we have it on our money. Uh, you know, I, I personally, um, I understand the commandments to say we shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. And I think putting the name on money and on the back of license plates and, and on flags is kind of taking it in vain, if you really want to know the truth. It's not, to me, it's not elevating it. It's using it uh, in, in a way that actually uh, diminishes it. So that would not be my preference. And I do think there probably will be organizations that might raise that. But, you know, it is the motto that is on our money. And so, uh, you know, I just I think it probably wouldn't be a winning argument. Thank you so much for, for calling in, Marianne. Well, Professor Gershon, this has been a fabulous hour. What all do we want to leave folks with uh, for this hour? What, what is their homework assignment? Uh, make sure that you learn about the ballot initiatives, the flag, and also uh, you know, the people that you might be voting for. And there's enough information out there that's easily available, uh, freely available. And so we have no excuse not to be educated. We do. We want to remind everyone, make sure that you, your family, uh, everyone on your street is counted for the census. You know, my mom had someone come knock on her door because the n neighbors hadn't filled in their census. So uh, he needed to, you know, find out if anybody was living in that house. So you can save a census worker some a trip by calling one Eight four four three three zero twenty twenty. That's to fill out the census, and you have a, a week and a little bit 
October 5th is the last day you can register to vote. It's the last day you can have your registration postmarked to vote. If you're uh, registering to vote by mail, October 5th for the November 3rd general election, which will have a yes or no on the flag, which will have, oh, a convoluted marijuana thing that we're going to talk about in a, in a new sh- next show. And uh, we've all we've got a Senate race in Mississippi, all four representative districts in Mississippi. And hey, president, vice president. So we hope that you'll you're all ready and you've got all of your family ready to vote. Thank you, Professor Gershon. We're so glad that you've uh, been with us. This has been an interesting hour. Thank you to Michelle McAdoo. Thank you to maybe Java Chapman, who's been helping us out. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.